the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Kathy. Hello, Kathy! We are super excited to have you on this episode because you are a golden girl. I am. You are our top-level patron, uh, and so you have the opportunity to do an episode of your choosing along with us. And that's the only really special thing about you, right? <laughs> no, that's not the only special thing about me. I am the mother of John and Adam Blast from our past. <laughs> yes. Celebrities. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Celebrities. Let's go with that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for you're obviously a delusional mother. But you, Sometimes. You, yes. Yes. Uh, but yes, we. This is a double special guest who we've got because you are you are mother, so you support us in every way possible, including supporting us as as a Patreon financially. Yeah, financially. <laughs> so, and you've supported us financially for many years. Many before. years. So kind yes. of yeah, true. it's kind of so it's true. Kind of just like that again. <laughs> it's like it's like we get an allowance <laughs> yes. again. Well, we never really got just one. Comes when we back were kids, around three sixty. Yeah, here we are. I was gonna say this is the most allowance we've ever gotten. Oh, yeah, we never really had it growing that. up. Fifteen dollars <laughs> a month. You never. You didn't give us an allowance <laughs> as a, as a regular allowance. I'd say yes. <laughs> okay, got it. You did. Ever, I mean, every now and then you gave us money when we needed it, but it was never like a you know do your chores and you get you know ten dollars oh, a week. Oh no, I, no, I you had to do your that. chores with no money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clean that exactly. garage. <laughs> so, as our mother and as a Golden Girl patron. You get to decide the episode, and for this one, we are going way back, way, 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 way back, way back, more way back than we've ever way backed in this podcast. <laughs> way, way back. Yes. We are going to discuss the 1939 film, The Wizard of Oz, along with the TV show, uh, Johnny Quest. So there have been a couple iterations of Johnny Quest, and maybe there's one that John and I might talk about long time down the road, mm-hmm. or later down the road with uh, the real adventures of Johnny Quest, which was in like the 80s or 90s um, that we watched. Yeah. But this is the 1964-65 cartoon that you grew up with, Mom. Yes. So, yes. so yeah, we're definitely excited about that. Uh, and then we are going to do a recasting, uh, just John and I, because Mom doesn't know any actors of today, she said, <laughs> so she doesn't care about the casting. Uh, so she she's forfeiting that section and John and I are going to recast our own Wizard of Oz which I'm kind of excited about that one you know it's we haven't really done have we done a musical before I don't think so I don't think so either. So that's kind of nice. I, I mean, that's something that I thought about. Like, okay, who can do some singing and dancing uh, and be a good fit, you know, for these roles? So I, I think we picked some. I I know I picked some pretty cool people. So I'm excited about that. I hope you are too, John. I am. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, so. We're probably never, ever again going to do uh, an, an episode from the 30s. I mean, maybe. You know what? It's possible. So, uh, John. Never say never. Never. You're right. <laughs> never say never again. Sorry, that was from our American Tale episode that just yeah. kind of uh, clicked back in my head. Anyway, uh, John, how about you tell us some interesting facts about 1939? All right. Well, I had to break from our my normal series for this one because obviously Billboard was not necessarily around in 1939. Mm -hmm. So I did go with a few things. Uh, So the movie came out in August 25th of 1939. 
Believe it or not, the song, the best-selling song of that year actually came from this movie. So I'm not going to talk about that one. Uh. I'm going to mention another uh, song that came out in 1939 that I absolutely love, and that is the song Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. Southern trees bear strange fruit Blood on the leaves and blood at the root Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze um, if you don't know that song, it, you got to go look it up. You got to look up the meaning of it. Um, it's very deep. Uh, it's very kind of sad, but it's a very, very good song. Okay. I, I can't, it's not coming to my head just talking about it, so I'll have to check it out as well. All right. A couple of other interesting things that happened in 1939. Adam, do you know who started their TV career in 1939? Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. But I was actually going for Betty White. Oh, Betty White. The love of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone loves Betty. A legit golden girl. Yeah, so she started three months after high school. uh, She and a classmate sang a song on a experimental L.A. channel right when she turned 18 or so. Okay. Also that year, the Los Angeles Times got a hold of the names of all the Oscar winners and Printed them, and which is why now uh, Price Waterhouse has control of all the winners' names. It's because of that. Uh, Even though they had been tallying okay. the votes for a few years at that point, uh, they didn't have control of the names. So now they're the only ones who know. Yeah, yeah, they keep it super secret. And the last thing, I do have a New York Times bestseller, since I can't really talk about Nielsen ratings or Billboard Top 100s for this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New York Times bestseller for this week was actually The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. Oh, that's a classic. Yep. Yeah. All right. That was some interesting stuff from 1939. All right. That is fantastic. All right. I'm excited to get into this one. Mom, I hope you are too. I am. Yeah. So let's uh, let's follow that yellow brick road onto The Wizard of Oz. All right, The Wizard of Oz, 1939, as you mentioned. This film was directed by Victor Fleming. Uh, he was the only one officially credited on screen, but this movie actually had four different directors to him. Uh, the, one of them was also Richard Thorpe, who was apparently fired uh, less than two weeks into the production. <laughs> I guess they didn't <laughs> think he was all that good. And then the next person, George Cukor, Cukor uh, was brought in next, and he was uh, summoned away to go work on... Uh, the movie Gone with the Wind oh. at some point, okay, uh, which is funny enough because then came Victor Fleming, the guy who got the credit. He st- he started working on the project, and then eventually he was also called over to go work on Gone with the Wind because he's also <laughs> credited as the director of Gone with the Wind. And then apparently, finally, this guy, uh, Mr. King Vidor, uh, was hired to complete the movie. So there's four directors who ran through this thing, but Victor Fleming is the guy who's kind of, I guess, has the credit for it. It's kind of amazing. It turned out as coherent as it did with four different directors yeah no kidding uh the movie was based on a book from l frank Baum. mom have you have either of you read this book i have not i've never read any of those series yep me either uh why read a book when there's a movie (laughs) you know just watch the movie 
So, um, and then the the different you know people who are in the movie. This this movie stars obviously. Well, I say obviously because I mean you know if you. you you should know this movie by now. If anybody hasn't seen this movie, I think there's been enough been enough time between 1939 to now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Judy Garland is Dorothy. Um, you know, she's this is this is her most famous role, of course. Uh, she's also been in A Star Is Born, Meet Me in St. Louis, um, and she's also uh, the mother of Liza Minnelli. If anybody didn't know that out there, and then. This guy Frank Morgan, uh, he technically technically played five different roles in the movie, but he is you know the most famous as the Wizard of Oz himself. Um, I didn't really recognize anything else that he was in, but um, you know he's in he's his face is in this movie enough that's for sure. Ray Bulger plays the Scarecrow. He was in Babes in Toyland and then a whole bunch of stuff I didn't recognize, as well as uh, Bert Lahr plays the Cowardly Lion. Bunch of stuff, nothing I really recognized. And the Tin Man was played by Jack Haley, who has been in a bunch of stuff. Nothing else I recognize. I mean, it's a lot of its old movies that I just, you know, it, they have to be really big movies if they're that old. So, mm-hmm. um, but Buddy Ebsen of the Beverly Hillbillies uh, show, he actually was cast as the original Tin Man, but he had to be replaced after suffering a severe allergic reaction to the aluminum powder in the makeup. Yeah, so. I do remember hearing that. Yeah. Billy Burke played Glinda the Good Witch. Surprise, she's been in a bunch. I haven't heard of anything. (laughs) And then then, uh, Margaret Hamilton played the Wicked Witch of the West. She's been a bunch. Uh, Most of it I didn't recognize, but I noticed that she was in two episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes. And who she played was Margaret H. Witch, which I thought was awesome. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty funny. She actually uh, redonned the Wicked Witch of the West costume for that episode. Oh, that's perfect. That's all of that. Uh, and then Toto, uh, Toto was actually played by a female dog. Uh, not that anybody gives a shit. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> um, but the do- <laughs> the real dog's name is Terry, uh, and Terry is a Cairn Terrier. And uh, something I thought fairly interesting, uh, Toto was paid $125 a week, while the munchkins, not in total, but each munchkin was only paid $50 a week. Oh, wow. Of, of which their manager took half. Oh wow! <laughs> so, so Toto made a lot more money than each Munchkin did. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. So, uh, before we dive into like the actual breakdown of you know each scene by scene, Mom, I- I'm curious. You know, what made you want to pick this film? Well, this is a very nostalgic film for me. We would, of course, be- there were not VCRs or any of that uh, when we- I was growing up. So every fall. When this movie was coming out on television, we would get very excited and sit in the family room and look forward to it year after year. So it's, a, I think, a complete nostalgic film for me. That's awesome. Yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, every year in my childhood, I remember getting um, excited and ready to watch it. I mean, what, what's special about this film is obviously, yeah, it's it's nostalgic for, you know, tons of people since it came out. But, like, it has absolutely lasted through, you know, just through all of the ages because it's nostalgic for all the generations. Like, I don't know a kid who doesn't have a little fondness for Wizard of Oz, you know, and, or or an in, in older person. You know, pretty much if, if you're a child now, 
till all the way up in your 70s, you watched Wizard of Oz yes, as a kid. every year. That's that's incredible. I mean, that's, that's, that's special. Not a lot of movies can say that. No, it's held up. We'll save it, Mom. Don't 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 uh, spoil the ending of the podcast yet. <laughs> so, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, all right, uh, we're gonna start off with Dorothy. She's in like this sepia black and white. It's not really black and white. It's definitely more like a sepia tone. Um, but she's apparently like she's running back home, and we hear about this neighbor lady who apparently hates Toto, and Dorothy's all worried about it. We see some. You know, workers around the farm, people giving her advice, people that, you know, they're just they're laying in. These are going to be some other characters that we'll see again later, but in different forms. Um, They're just kind of also what I do like early on is each character is like subtly mentioning things. Um, You know, we having, uh, you know, the different workers are mentioning, oh, something about brains, something about courage and stuff like that. A little foreshadowing going on here. Exactly. That is good writing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We also meet Dorothy's mother. Uh, I, I, Dorothy's mom was kind of a hard ass. Isn't it? Isn't it Dorothy's aunt? Aunt. Oh, oh yeah, Aunt M. You're right, Am. Not not mother. Yes, Aunt M. Auntie M. But she was she was kind of a hard ass to her. Uh, not in a bad way, but just kind of like you know that gristled farm wife style. Farm life is hard, so you <laughs> can't be a sissy and uh, you know baby anybody. You got to just step up. Yeah, I mean, you grew up. Uh, no, you know, not on a farm. farm. I no, didn't grow up on a not farm. Not on a farm. Didn't you have? I thought you had. I thought you had some animals when you were younger. No, am I just crazy? Yes. Uh, All right. So you you were a sissy then. Yeah, I had one cat that my mom got rid of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> Grandma does not like animals, but we had one cat for a short period of time. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Dorothy just kind of talking about. A place where she can't get into trouble because we saw her like fall in a pig pen earlier and just you know dealing with this other lady. Uh, she you know she starts talking, starts uh, singing about you know a place that is going to be a, a better place for her. And we dive right into the song "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." That you dare to dream really do come true. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind. This song was almost cut. Oh, wow. From the thing, the, uh, the studio didn't think that the kids were going to get it because they thought it was a little bit of a deep meaning and this movie was definitely geared towards children. And so mm-hmm. they just thought, you know, it's it was not something that was going to be necessary, which thankfully they left it in. I mean, obviously, I, I sort of alluded to it at the top, but this was the best selling song and the most popular song of 1939. Yeah, this this song was absolutely huge. Uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't. I wasn't around in 1939. None of us were around in 1939 like when it came out and how much. But it is it is permeated just pop culture like crazy like everybody has like a cover of this song or everybody's done it at like you know anybody who's good has sung it at karaoke mm-hmm. um but it is it's a beautiful song and it's absolutely lasted the test of time and it, it is one of the biggest things that came out of this movie now granted there's tons of big things like this movie had homages to it like maybe none other you know yeah. i've seen so many TV shows, so many movies that like allude to either like a little spot, maybe like a ye- the Yellow Brick Road or or this song or um, other stuff. But it, it's so this movie has 
you know, it's just, it's so steeped in everybody's nostalgia and just American pop culture um, that it is really everywhere. And this song just in general is just absolutely massive. You know, it, it's whenever you have like a, a sing-along kind of thing or like, you know, if there they were like the sing-along videos, you know, that would have like, you know, the dancing ball or whatnot. I swear somewhere over the rainbow was always part of that. Mm-hmm. We do meet the evil neighbor, uh, who's riding her bike, and I want to say she's riding it the the mo- with the best proper uh, with the best uh, posture I've ever seen. She's <laughs> like her back, her back is so straight, you know. I've never seen anyone ride a bike like that. <laughs> but I would say I wanted to mention this just because we didn't actually talk about it um, in the opening credits. The opening credits are the only location mm-hmm. shots in the entire film. What do you mean by that? Everything else was in a studio. They Oh, gotcha. The uh the, oh, the farm shots. The farm the shots. Those are the only ones that were actually shots. out on location. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is just inside studio, which makes that easy for do shooting. Do you know where That's where sure. the farm was? Uh no, I don't. No. Somewhere in California probably. Probably. Yeah, somewhere over the rainbow, I've heard. Ha ha. Ha I'm fine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Anyway, we meet, uh, yeah, Elmira Gulch, who wants to have Toto killed because Toto apparently bit her uh, at some point, which, I mean, she's obviously being a bit of a bee here, but, um, you know, that does happen. If a dog bites another random person, you know, there should be that discussion. Am I wrong? Yes, and she seemed like she was a powerful person in the community, so Mm -hmm. she was wielding her power to get rid of the little dog. But Toto did bite her. Now, (laughs) great. Allegedly. But, all right, don't don't play lawyer with me, Mom. Oh, uh, but well, where's <laughs> the enough. proof? But where's the proof? Yeah, Show me the proof. But it's uh, you know, I, I do like. I think Dorothy even mentioned a little comment, like, "Well, well, she deserved it" or something like that. Which is just <laughs> okay. but, I mean, we obviously okay. Toto, Toto's a, he probably, a sweetheart he, of a. Doll. He probably did bite her. Yeah, Elmira actually does take away Toto, but. She doesn't even lock the basket or anything like that that she puts Toto in. And so Toto, Toto just hops out the basket like it's nothing. Yeah. It, was, it was super easy and kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so, and she doesn't even pay attention. She doesn't even realize it. And so she just keeps, keeps biking along. But uh, so Toto immediately goes back to Dorothy. Um, and, she reala- and Dorothy realizes to save Toto, she has to run away. So, uh, so they do. And she meets this traveling salesman, this this con man type of guy like you know he's selling snake oil kind of thing well he's doing like this whole mystic right um you know crystal ball kind of thing but um you know he has a whole bunch of different marvels so stuff like that and he honestly he ends up kind of kind of scaring dorothy to go back home uh just as a storm comes in um, just trying to like get her to go back and you know nice enough guy i guess but he is a con man for sure which will come back later we see uh that this big tornado is coming and i want to say the actual like I mean, they didn't get, like, close with the tornado, which right. was a good call, because if they did, it probably wasn't going to look good. But, you know, the the graphics and just how they had, like, the tornado in the background, it looked pretty solid. It was scary. They had scary. a whole bunch of blowing wind yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah. Which is funny, because it was made from a 35-foot-long muslin stocking that they just spun around in a circle. It's but. Spun- <laughs> <laughs> they had like a drill or something or whatever. I don't, it is, I don't know. They were just the spinning the stocking around around a miniature of the farm. Oh, that's funny. I mean, that's certainly it. Certainly worked. It, yeah, was. it definitely looked uh, the, windy, the way with the lighting and everything. However, the, all the wind and everything yeah. looked looked real yeah. enough. If you've ever been uh, lived through a tornado, which which John and I, I mean, there we've been around tornadoes, but we've never really had to like. In my, I, I don't remember ever having to like 
you know, quote unquote, live through a tornado. Mm-hmm. But you, mom, you grew up I in did. Iowa, which is I you know, a big old tornado. Do you have any good tornado stories? I for do. Us? I do. I, li- I We lived through a tornado in 1974 that went right over our house Whoa. and demolished um, sections just around us. Uh, my summer job was crushed by the by the tornado (laughs) and i I had to find a new summer job with my sister at the dairy queen i worked for a clothing (laughs) store and the plaza that the clothing store was in was flattened and so my summer job before going to college and i needed to make money i was delegated to flipping burgers at the dairy queen after that (laughs) which was gross Uh, yeah uh, did you did you guys have a storm cellar or anything? Is that no? How you guys but I will tell you, my you know, as a teenager, I really wasn't listening to my father, and he made us all <laughs> get downstairs in the basement into this tiny bathroom that was downstairs, mm-hmm. and we were all crammed in there. And I'm thinking, oh, please, come on, get me out of here. (laughs) And you could see outside the tree that was planted in the front yard was basically horizontal Ah. as as it skipped right over. I don't remember hearing a train sound, though. But, you know, it's probably because I was just annoyed by being shoved in a tiny bathroom <laughs> yeah. with my whole family. <laughs> and and then you never listened to your father ever again. <laughs> uh, well, I... I That's for another podcast. Yeah, I don't that's, have any yeah, that's, you a, that's, a, that's a, down the road. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Dorothy and her family, uh, well, the rest of the family did go into the storm cellar, but it's kind of got locked up uh, before Dorothy gets back. So she has to go into the house. No one's there. Uh, a window busts open, and it obviously knocks her in the head, gives her a concussion. Now she she probably has CTE, you know, that uh, the thing that the football guys have. Um, so she's got big, bad brain damage, and she goes into this hallucinogenic dream state from her big old concussion. Uh, and we start seeing, you know, people flying outside this window, you know, like through the twister. Um, and, you know, we're getting all these different people kind of flying through. We get uh, some, some images good... of the future that are coming. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the twister is over. She wakes up and walks out the door into a world of color. So, I mean, as everybody knows, um, you know, this was one of the early movies that really utilized Technicolor. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the first, right? It wasn't the first. The first one was like in 1935 or something. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Um, uh, And a lot of people do credit this movie as like the first color movie, which it's not. Right. You know, there have been other full credit color movies with it. I don't know how it got that association. Probably just because it was that... It was, this was the first big movie that, that kind of really... I guess, or I guess the movie that, you know, I guess through the ages, is the, is the oldest color movie that people remember. And, and I think they made a dramatic statement between yes. the black yeah. and white and the color with True. the opening of the door and the fantasy land that she'd landed in which was um you know completely uh, beautiful and interesting and un- very unlike her little home in kansas on the farm right 
Yes, I mean, color was definitely utilized in a more interesting way, where in other films it probably was just shot in color. This one, it was an artistic right. choice to go from that black, you know, the, the black and white, dull, dreary, real world that she was having to this colorful, vibrant, hallucinogenic um, concussion state. That <laughs> right, and, there, and 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 <laughs> imaginative characters and imaginative yeah. uh you know the land itself yeah the entire yeah. world of oz makes right. more sense right. in colors than right. it ever yes. would in black and white right. absolutely it it reminds me a bit um that black and white to color my very first plane trip in 19, i think 73 uh around there anyway uh, my grandparents flew us all down to Florida to go to Disney World and to Bradenton, where they lived. And when we left in December, it was white and dreary and dull in Iowa. And when we landed in mm-hmm. Tampa, it was like full Technicolor. So it was very <laughs> oh. <laughs> similar to The Wizard of Oz. It was like, oh my gosh, here we are, full color. And it's, you know, dull and dreary in Iowa with the snow. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, then you never moved back to Iowa. It's too dull. Well, I, was, I did not live in Florida ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I know you didn't. But <laughs> and we never will. Go no, dogs. Uh, yeah, yeah, never too, will. Too uh, too many mosquitoes down there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Oz is, you know, this new place that she just walked out. It's lush, it's beautiful, it's chock full of color. We get an absolutely classic line where Dorothy turns to her dog says, "Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore." That single line has been you. I mean, not. I mean, granted, there's. I'm going to say that a lot. There's a lot of lines mm-hmm. in this movie that get used a lot. I mean, that one obviously has been used all over. Any any time somebody's in like a movie that now they they feel they're in a weird situation uh, that's not where they were before, they're like they use that line. Yeah, it's know? been or, hijacked as a generic uh, yeah. a generic term. Yeah, or they'll they yeah. usually paraphrase it in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's definitely it's definitely been utilized by everybody. Um, we do see this big green bubble thing that apparently turns into Glinda the Good Witch. Uh, we find out that, uh, you know, the house that Dorothy was spinning in landed on this Wicked Witch of the East, and she's been squished uh, by the house, and, <laughs> and it <laughs> fell onto her. Um, all these, we see all these little people, all these munchkins come out, and uh, we get a quick little song about meeting Dorothy. Come out, come out, wherever you are, and meet the young lady who fell from a star. She fell from the sky, she fell very far, and Kansas, she says, is the name of the star. Kansas, she says, is the name of the star. I definitely don't remember this little song that was happening, you know, when they were going out. I remember it later, like, you know, bits and pieces of it. Like later on, we do get um, the the Lollipop Guild mm-hmm. at the end of it. But like the very beginning portion, I just kind of like, oh, this is all not not very memorable. Oh. But, um, you know, what is memorable is uh, just see, having the Munchkins come out and, you know, seeing all of them. And they're all excited about, you know, this, this evil witch who's now dead. Um, and then... Because of that, we do eventually dive get into a song that I do remember, that I think a lot of people remember, which is Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead, Witch, a Witch, a Wicked Witch, Ding Dong, the Wicked Witch is Dead. 
And I will say for girls watching this, because I watched with my three sisters and probably my baby brother. I'm not sure my oldest brother watched, but he might have. When Glinda arrived, she was magical. Mm -hmm. She's in this beautiful big dress. She's got this beautiful wand and crown. And so for girls, you were like, ooh, ah, look how beautiful she is when she came mm -hmm. into this, onto the scene. Before we were then, you know, shown the Wicked Witch of the East's little uh, red and white stockings. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Billy Burke, who was who played Glinda, was like 53 at the time that she uh, that they yeah. recorded this. She looks amazing yeah, for 53 she, she in 1939. Does. She does. Yeah, that's a good-looking 53-year-old, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but as the munchkins are all dancing and cheering upon the death of this one person, you know, it seems a bit harsh, but... Um, she was get, evil. She was evil. They did call her out as the Eve, the Wicked Witch of the East. Yeah. So, oh, I do. I want to call out. You know, I mean, I already mentioned it, but like the Lollipop Guild. We Like that is to me, those are probably the most memorable of the of the entire Munchkin group. Especially, like, the, the, especially there's this one, this one Munchkin on like I think he's on the far right. He just looks so surly. I don't even know how else to. Do you, you know who I'm talking about? I think he's so. Just, yeah. He's got his little kicks. He does. Yeah. He, he's yes. got, he, he twitches. He's, he's got some twitches going kick. on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But for some reason, he always stood out to me. Yeah. Uh, as as probably the most memorable Munchkin. He probably found out just before they filmed this uh, how much the dog was making. <laughs> yeah. He was really pissed about it. <laughs> he was pretending to kick the dog. Yeah. Term <laughs> dog. Oh, no. 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 Oh. No. Uh, then we get an explosion, and we see this other evil green witch with a or you know she's got a green face she's apparently the wicked witch of the west the other witch's sister who was just killed um you know and she's she's obviously a little pissed at dorothy who just flew into town and 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 you know dropped a house on her sister and she wants these uh, magical ruby slippers but glinda magically puts them on dorothy on her feet instead and um, apparently, eh, apparently the Wicked Witch has no power in that area, so she leaves, uh, but not before saying another, you know, kind of classic line. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> Which was very scary for me at the time as a child. Very scary to hear that. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, Yeah, I mean, too. it is. It, she does her the delivery is awesome it is it is awesome and for a little kid watching it absolutely you know she is a she does a great job being a, a great she's a classic villain mm -hmm. uh, you know maybe one of the top 10 movie villains of all time or at least you know she's in the discussion for top top 20 she top is. 30 she yeah. should be anyway yeah. So Glinda recommends Dorothy to go see the Wizard of Oz uh, to go kind of help her with her stuff and get her back home. Uh, but to, to do that, she has to follow the Yellow Brick Road. We obviously, we're going to get a song here about the Yellow Brick Road as she starts off her journey. I mean, this is just one of the biggest, another really big song in the movie. Mm -hmm. Follow the Yellow Brick Road, follow the Yellow Brick You're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. You'll find the eggs 
My only question to you, where the hell does the red brick road go? Because there's another one. It's the yellow and they're intertwined with the red. Where does the red one go? Does anyone know this? No. no. Nowhere. Maybe it says in the books, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm super curious now. Watching it now, I was like, wait a minute. There's another path right there. Where does that one? I want to know where that one leads. Uh, but whatever. Just keep spinning around in circles. <laughs> yeah. Which the book, the book did have sequels to them. Yes. Um, yeah. But... Yes. But the movie, I don't think there was any sequel to the movie. Or maybe if there was, I don't. I never saw it. No. Uh, I mean, there was The no, Wiz, but that so. was just a remake. Yeah, that yeah. was just so. an I mean, alternative version mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. Speaking of that, Mom, did you ever see The Wiz? Or did you, did you enjoy The Wiz when you I were younger? Not. I did not. I might have seen parts of it, but I was too busy mm-hmm. raising children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's fine. There's there's some good songs. I only know a couple of songs. I mean, just from loving Michael Jackson the way I do. Right. Uh, I know some of the songs from, because he was the Scarecrow. But, all right. So, uh, speaking of the scare- Scarecrow, uh, she starts off on her journey, and we immediately meet him. Uh, we find out that he doesn't have a brain, uh, and in general, he's not a great Scarecrow, but uh, he sings a song to us about if he only had a brain. I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'd unravel every riddle for any individual in trouble or in pain. With the thoughts you'd be thinking you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. Oh, I could tell you why. That's a great song. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's everybody has their own different parts. We love, we love the scarecrow for his stuff. We love the cowardly lion. We love, well, the Tin Man, I feel like the Tin Man is the least memorable of the three. Am I wrong on that? Yeah. For me, the scarecrow was my favorite because I think he was the closest to Dorothy and um, the first one that she uh, came across and met. Yeah. True. I I I mean, he was also I liked him best. What? Oh, he was also very silly. You know, he had, I mean, he was basically made of rubber. It seemed like, yeah. you know, he just kind of, the way he danced was, was very funny for a little kid to watch. I was just going to say Ray Bolger does an amazing job with his physical comedy in this role. Really seem, yeah. seemingly like he's a person made of straw where yeah. he doesn't necessarily yeah. have the, you know, the strength to always hold himself up. So I, that thing, that part of the, his performance I thought was amazing. Agreed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so obviously he goes off with Dorothy because he wants to see if he can get a brain from the wizard. And so they head out. You know, we get some little inklings here. We see the Wicked Witch uh, with some uh, some apples that um, that she just she just she kind of gets intermittent here because she's trying to stop Dorothy on her path. Uh, we also see some scary ass trees uh, that when Dorothy wants to go eat an apple, they start chucking the apples at her. <laughs> it's just kind of a quick little funny scene, but I always thought it was pretty memorable when, when they're trying to pick an apple and this, this scary tree starts talking to her and starts starts chucking apples at her. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Scary forest. It was a scary forest. It was. Uh, but when she picks up one of the apples that was thrown so she can eat it, we see the Tin Man who's all rusted up and they have to oil him up to get him moving again. Uh, fun fact, the oil that she kind of puts in his mouth and all this stuff wasn't, obviously wasn't actually oil. Uh, it was chocolate syrup. 
that's nice. Ah, a little treat. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but apparently he is missing a heart, and we uh, get a little song sung by the Tin Man. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his metal, and yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. I'd be tender, I'd be gentle, and awful sentimental regarding love and art. I'd be friends with the sparrows and the boy who shoots the arrows if I only had a heart. And there's one there's one interesting little fact about the uh, song. John, do you want to, I know you, I think you, cause when we, we all watch this together, this is probably the first time. Uh, I mean, John and I have maybe once or twice actually watched the movie that we're going to talk about together. And then, you know, we'll discuss it afterwards. But this time, you know, we got me, mom and John all watch it together. And we had to actively try to make sure we don't say anything to each other. <laughs> we're like, save it for the podcast. <laughs> you know, you sometimes when you watch a movie, you want to talk about it. But we're like, no, no, no. Let's talk about a movie. But anyway, uh, there is one single, there's a, there's a line in the song, which I thought was pretty, which is pretty, has a good, interesting backstory to it. Yeah. So they're, they're singing and he, he kind of makes reference, reference to, he starts making reference to Romeo and Juliet. And then they look off mm. into the distance and a voice, which is from a character you don't see, uh, sings the line, Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Wherefore art thou, Romeo? And the person who sings that uh, is Adriana Casaletti, or Casalotti, and she is the voice of Snow White in Snow oh, White and oh. the Seven Dwarves. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting fact. That's so a nice little, yeah, nice little cameo kind of. From uh, from Snow yes, White, and she was paid a thousand dollars just to sing that line. Oh, what thousand dollars? Yep. Those, those poor Munchkins, man, they really got <laughs> nothing out of this deal. Oh. They had days well, of shooting and had to like go through all that crappy makeup and you know some song and dance from them. Damn. Yeah. Well, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs came out about two years before this, probably a year before yeah. they were filming. So I'm sure at that yeah, point she was a big star. That movie did very well. Yeah. Makes sense. And I think Makes this sense. was the first time this many little people were together in one place. So yes. I think they absolutely they probably had some after hours fun going on. <laughs> yeah, oh, I heard I heard actually that the Munchkins were actually pretty creepy towards towards, towards Judy Garland. Oh, really? Like you know, because a lot of them were you know they're adults, right? You know, they're they're adult creepy men, and they're like apparently they were just inappropriate like i would say hr uh wouldn't have allowed a lot of the stuff that apparently went on at that one just just from the you know sexual comments and stuff like that right right but i i did another thing that you mentioned i mean just from mentioning this was one of the first movies that i at least i remember obviously of um a lot of little people working on a single film together but i believe you know because obviously they got paid crap for the for their parts in this movie that this was a big catalyst in kind of getting better rights for little people in films. Yeah. Um, after yeah. this one, oh, I'm sure. Now, granted, I don't, I don't think I'm thir- I don't think it really worked all that. I mean, because I don't think the 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 Oompa Loompas of Willy Wonka got a great deal either. Um, they probably weren't. Probably weren't, took uh, decades before they really. had Yeah, some probably power. exactly. But exactly, I do think this movie was probably at least a bit of a catalyst right. towards some some better rights for that. So. Uh, okay, the only other thing I really want to call out for the song and dance from uh, the Tin Man is I love that they do the Michael Jackson, the smooth criminal lean. 
in that part, you know, he does like this big old lean. And I'm sure they obviously realized that Michael Jackson was going to do it in the future. And they thought, <laughs> yeah, we should probably do that as well. And so, I mean, I'm kidding. Obviously, I, I bet that that influenced, you know, that 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 move or whatnot for Smooth Criminal. But I always I always like that lean. It's cool. Yeah. We do see that the, the witch then shows up and she shoots a fireball at the scarecrow to kind of scare them away. What I find it funny is we're here and the tin man says he needs a heart he doesn't seem like he needs a heart he immediately is like a very nice guy he wants to go and help dorothy and stuff like that he's not like a jerk or anything you know he's a sweet dude so i don't i don't really understand why does he need a heart well by the same token i don't understand why the scarecrow needs a brain because he came up with the idea of having the of insulting the trees to have them throw the apples at them you're right. And he, there's another thing later on where he comes up with, with a solving. He solves another thing as well. Like, yeah, he definitely is a smart dude. Uh, so, yeah, a, they're a little bit off, but it doesn't matter. It's a kid's kids movie. Yeah, things were simpler back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone was dumber. Is that what you're saying, Mom? Um, no, that's not what I meant. That's, <laughs> that's not what I meant. What you mean. Uh, all right. As they head out. They do enter this creepy forest, and they they get another great little quick line here about um, they're you know they're afraid of lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! 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 You know, I mean, that only happens like that one time, but. Again, another little line that's used all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, then out comes the lion, who starts off as a very cocky, cocky bastard. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's he's he is being he's being an ass, and you know, put him up, put him up. He's trying to be a lion. He's really, really trying Exa- yes. to be a lion. He is up until the fact where he scares Dorothy enough to smack him in the face, and then he becomes a big baby. Well, he went after the dog, so it was up to Dorothy yeah, yeah. to She's protect him. to protect her dog. One, well, I would say interesting, but it's again one of those things that definitely wouldn't happen in Hollywood now and shouldn't anymore. Um, but apparently, Judy Garland was having trouble, you know, slapping the cowardly lion. Mm-hmm. You know, she she didn't she didn't want to actually hit him or something like that. So it just it, she wasn't getting the take right. So Victor Fleming apparently took her aside, slapped her in the face, Ooh. and got her to get her. You know, I guess I don't know mentally ready for it or whatever, or just being an asshole. And so then the next take, I think she got it. But well, so. it wasn't it wasn't because she was or what I read. It wasn't because she wasn't slapping him properly. It's because she kept laughing. Oh, maybe that's because she kept slapping. In fact, if if you watch the scene, and I watched, I I noticed this when when she's in there, she's looking in between the like the Tin Man of the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion, and in one one particular take, um, she you can see her smirk, like she's she's stifling a laugh. So yeah. okay, uh, so he just slapped her because he's an asshole and he wanted her to like no, stop it, laughing. Well, yeah, he was trying to get her to stop laughing. Apparently, he did feel extremely bad about it later, and uh, Dor- uh, Judy Garland overheard him talking to uh, a PA about it. Okay, and she said she was okay with it. So I guess they I guess they were all good on that. Uh, one other fun fact. Well, I guess that last one wasn't really a fun fact, but um, <laughs> one and this one this one's actually probably not a fun fact either. But the Cowardly Lion's costume was made from real lion skin. Yes. Oh, way. Yeah, it was real lion so, pelt. Yeah. 
Yep. That's kind of creepy. And apparently was extremely yeah. hot, hot. Yeah. in there. Yeah, it's, and it, it weighed like 100 pounds. Yeah, and they it had to be aired out and cleaned pretty much every night because he would sweat so much in it. Are all these costumes in the Smithsonian? Just a quick question. Uh, I have no idea. I don't. I don't know, but I, I, I'm sure they likely the are. The ruby slippers are, I think, but I don't know about the costumes. Yeah, yes, the ruby slippers are. You know what? I wouldn't say that they likely are because honestly, old Hollywood movies, like the, the costumes get reused a lot. Yeah. You know, they get used in other stuff or they just get lost or, you know, kind of or torn apart and used for other movies. Um, you know, it's not like nowadays where that stuff does get preserved a lot better. Right. They've realized now you can make money from it. <laughs> yes, you can. yes. There's tons of ways to keep making money off the movie, other than just the movie. Right. Anyway, the lion decides to join with them on the quest, so he can get some courage, and they're off. But uh, the witch is watching them, and here we kind of first see a glimpse of like the evil monkeys, which the makeup on the the evil flying monkeys in general, the flying monkeys. Yeah, but they are. It is good. Uh, you know, it is creepy. It's obviously just like you know a skinny you know person in them, um, but they are creepy looking. Yeah, that's for sure. Very, and I, so. I will say, with all the creepy scenes and the forest and the flying monkeys, I vividly remember um, our house was, at that time, was kind of a square house with four rooms, and between the kitchen and the family room where we watched this, there was a doorway that shut, and my mom usually wasn't sitting there watching with us. At one time, she was in the kitchen, but she had she had done her nails and she was doing her hair, and the old hair dryers at that time, there was a small little hair dryer and then this kind of big poofy thing that went over her head for to dry her hair. But on the mm-hmm. actual hair dryer, there was a place to put your nails, uh, to dry your nails. And I remember going back and forth from the kitchen to the family room if I was scared of a scene and I would go in and stand and talk to her (laughs) and then I'd go back in so it was during the forest during the flying monkeys but I vividly can see her sitting at the kitchen table (laughs) doing her uh, drying her hair and her nails and then going in to uh, be protected by her during those evil scenes (laughs) Just a memory there. No, that's cute. I, that's cute. I love that. Um, but uh, we do see that the Wicked Witch is watching them as they're as they're walking and they're heading out. Um, and she apparently enchants this field of poppies to put them asleep. Uh, you know, while they're while they have to walk through it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so they do that. So they they're going through. The Tin Man and the Scarecrow like start screaming for help. And it just all—it all seemed very awkward, uh, you know, while they're while they're screaming for help here. But Glinda shows up, uh, and she sends this snow down, which apparently kind of washes away whatever the wicked witch had, the spell. and uh, it wakes them up. Yes, it yeah, was a yeah, sleeping spell. spell. Adam, do you know what that snow was made out of? I do, and it's not good. No. <laughs> oh no. One hundred percent industrial grade asbestos. No way. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. <laughs> uh yeah i saw that uh, i saw that as like a little factoid and i was just like oh that is not good <laughs> nope so, not good Ooh, yep creepy um we hear a little song as they skip their way towards the emerald city into the sun, into the light. Keep straight ahead for the most 
And you get your first shot of the Emerald City while they're running through the poppies. Yeah. This, you know, big, you do. big, beautiful. Yeah, just towering green area. Mm-hmm. It's just green city. It's very, very, I mean, it is very fantasy, which is great. Definitely. So uh, at this point, the Wicked Witch is pissed. And so she flies off on her broom. And um, what I always thought was funny, I mean, it's it's a good move. I mean, it looks okay, but it is so obviously just like a small little like, model witch on a string around something that they're just kind of like moving around like you know her castle area with a with her creepy laugh behind it but at the time i think it probably worked really well and then as a kid yeah, you know you don't scary that kind of stuff no you don't see any of that stuff yeah and she moves really fast too so um at the emerald city at the emerald city we meet the gatekeeper who is kind of an interesting character it's actually it's played one of the many characters played by um uh, the same guy who does uh, Frank Morgan, who does the wizard and, mm-hmm. and was kind of like that con man earlier on. You know, I, I, we, we talked about this kind of thing before. Do you remember uh, Rookie of the Year, yeah. John, in that movie when when um, I can't remember the character's name, but, you know, Rosen Rosenbagger or when, when he first got to the club's organization. Yeah, they did. They did a like a, a parody of this scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's been like plenty of them. It's just. It's just kind of funny, you know. He doesn't uh, doesn't let him in at first, but he eventually it does. Uh, and when you know when they say whatever it is that he decides to let them in, he says he says, which is a great line. That's a horse of a different color. Come on in. <laughs> we see this horse and carriage, you know, when they walk in, which actually the horse changes color as they're kind of cutting from like shot to shot as it's driving as it's kind of taking them through the city which uh, apparently they used uh dried jello crystals to paint the horse yeah i did hear that and it looked pretty good they actually painted the horse these different colors yeah but they used they used like like okay. dried jello to right. to dye the horse right so it was i don't think it was permanent i think it was just like a temporary like like dyeing your hair right yeah, apparently the only problem was the horse was like licking itself at time because of the jello. <laughs> so, and then we get you know a great little song as they uh, they you know they're they're off and they're heading off to the wizard. Oh, 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 and a couple of tralalas. That's how we laugh a day away in the middle of land of Oz. They do make a stop before they get to the wizard at the Wash and Brush Up Co. And each one of them gets a little mani pedi, which I thought was nice. Yes, <laughs> they all they're fun. all kind of like you know they want to look they want to look their best uh, before they go see him. Um, but then comes the Wicked Witch who does this whole skywriting scene of that says surrender Dorothy. Uh, so, you know, she's trying to freak everybody out. Like I'm going to bomb the city or something. This was definitely a freak out moment for a child. Mm-hmm. Trust me. I ran, I'm sure I ran to mom at that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was actually an extra uh, scene after, not really a scene, but there's more to that where actually it says surrender Dorothy or die. And they, oh, they cut, wow. they cut that part out of the movie. Ooh, wow. Well, that that would I mean to me that makes a little bit more sense, and that would have been a little bit more definitely more intense, but probably probably too intense for the 1939 kid crowd. Yeah, yeah. And it, an interesting way they how they yeah. did was uh, they they put a miniature witch at the end of a very long needle, 
And then they mm-hmm. filmed um, through a water tank from the bottom and they in- injected milk into the uh, tank in the form of the letters. My goodness. Oh. And that's how they created the, the sky writing. Sky writing. Mm. That's pretty interesting. Before they go, uh, you know, they go in and, and actually see the wizard, we get, I think, hands down, my least favorite song <laughs> of the movie. I don't know about you, but I've never been a fan of If I Was the King of the Forest. If I were king of the forest. Not queen, not duke, not prince. My regal robes of the forest would be satin and not a cotton and not chins. I'd command each thing, be it fish or fowl, with a whoosh and a whoosh and a royal growl. Well, it's what's weird is is this is like this is the the lion's song about needing courage, which we get the scarecrow's yeah. brain song, we get the Tin Man's heart song as soon as we meet them, but the lion song we don't get until after we're in Oz. True. And the lion was my least favorite character for some reason. I don't really know why. Yeah. He did. He wasn't empathetic. I wasn't empathetic to it. <laughs> the situation. <laughs> So uh, when they go, they get to the wizard's place. Uh, we see, we meet this guard, uh, and you know, basically he says, uh, he goes to talk to the wizard. He says, eh, the wizard says, go away. <laughs> and they, she's like, he doesn't want to see you right now. Um, but Dorothy is all sad, and you know, her crying apparently makes this other dude, the guard, sad enough to like let them in. I do want to call out when you they do a shot of him kind of reacting to her sadness by crying, and he's literally like. They, they're just like pouring buckets of water <laughs> as he's like crying, and it looks like he's sweating profusely. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, an impressive uh, tear job going on there. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, the guard lets them in, and they you know have this this shot has obvious has been definitely used you know by, uh, by emulated by other people you know when having that ominous walk down this long corridor. And we see, you know, the, the lion obviously is scared as shit. They get, you know, this huge Martian looking big floating green head, uh, you know, who is the wizard. And he's obviously or he's he's a bit of a jerk, uh, which I do like that Dorothy kind of calls him out on being a jerk. And, you know, he says he will grant their requests, but they have to b- bring him the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, you know, he's he's trying to force them to do this, uh, which ultimately scares the lion so much he jumps out the window. <laughs> I always thought it was weird that he jumps out the window and there's no like I don't know recourse like how how high up are they like did he just everything's fine with him but eh, he didn't whatever. seem to have any injuries after that no he didn't he was I guess he landed on all four paws like he any did, good cat like any good cat uh, so all right so they head over to the haunted forest which is apparently near the wicked witch's castle um, and so they're kind of hunting to try and find her and they kind of all have some random weapons which. You know, the lion has a net, uh, you know, the Tin Man's got his axe, and I think it was John you pointed out, which I never noticed before, the Scarecrow, or I just, I just kind of forget, the Scarecrow's got like a six-shooter revolver yeah. <laughs> that he's carrying around, <laughs> you know, that they're going to go kill this witch with. But all of a sudden, you know, we see that the, the Tin Man gets thrown up in the air and dropped. Uh, the Wicked Witch has sent her flying monkeys um, and you know, we, we, uh, get them sent out, which is a great scene of them all heading out and, you know, doing that. Now fly! Fly! 
But she does say a very interesting line here uh, as she's sending, you know, her flying monkeys out. She says, They'll give you no trouble, I promise you that. I've sent a little insect on ahead to take the fight out of them. <laughs> I've sent a little insect on ahead to take the flight or to take the fight out of them. Um, you know, before the monkeys get to him. Apparently, there was an entire dance number that she was going to bewitch them to do a song and dance um, that was the insect, quote-unquote, is the jitterbug. And the bees and the breeze and the trees have a terrible, horrible buzz. But the bats and the bees and the breeze and the trees couldn't do what the jitterbug does. So be careful of that rascal. Keep away from the jitterbug. Oh, the jitterbug. Oh, the bug. Oh, the jitterbug. So the Dorothy and the all the and the three heroes were all going to do a a song and dance, you know, of of the jitterbug of the jitterbug, but it was apparently cut because the director thought it would date the movie too much. Oh, um, and I interesting. I wholeheartedly agree with it. Uh, it was it's a, it's a good call, and actually there is online I found. They didn't really have good footage of it, but they do have like the song portion and like kind of some some kind of a little bit of footage of it. So I kind of watched uh, I watched that just to kind of see how it was. And I and the song itself did not fit with the the rest of the feel of the movie. So I think that's a, that's a good cut. But I guess they couldn't edit around the Wicked Witch saying that one line. So they're just like, eh, screw it, leave it in. No one will even know what I'm talking about. Right. And so. I can assure you as a child, you wouldn't have paid any attention yeah. to that. Yep. But yeah, now I want to so. go see the the uh, outtake. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's on it's on YouTube I'll, for sure. I'll go so. look for it. Um, so the monkeys kidnap Dorothy and Toto, and they kind of wreak havoc on the others. They throw straw out of the the, the scarecrow like crazy and other stuff like that. Um, Toto, though, it luckily is able to escape, uh, but the witch sets a curse on Dorothy uh, where she has this whole hourglass that once once the all the sand is out of the hourglass then she will die um, and that's when she'll take the, the shoes off of her dead corpse so pretty scary stuff there very scary obviously Dorothy is very frightened um, you know she sees Auntie M inside this crystal ball which apparently is just a ruse uh, which is actually just the wicked witch being a real bitch and just kind of like you know she's being real mean uh, kind of uh, she is she is such a good scary villain like you know she uh, and, and it, part of that is her fantastic evil laugh she has got a great evil laugh in this movie she does <laughs> Uh, but Toto goes out, finds the guys, and leads them to the castle. Uh, you know, we see the guards um, of the castle who are all singing this, uh, Oh, we, oh, oh, we, oh. Another thing that has been parodied so many times, mm-hmm. and it makes me think of Oreos now. <laughs> it makes you oh, so you so you hear it as Oreo, Oreo. as a, as a child, yes, as a child, yeah. Well, 
Oreos are delicious, which I, I don't blame you. I like. I probably think of Oreos pretty much for any reason. And now as well, you'll think so. of Oreos when you hear this song. Yes, I will. Well, they did that joke in Wreck It Ralph, where like King Candy, his guards are Oreos, and they're singing that song. Ah, oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I didn't even think about. It. Yes, right, because it was King Candy. Yep. In uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very cool. You know, the guys fight with these guards and they end up kind of stealing their uniforms and they sneak into the castle. Uh, the Tin Man finally uses his axe and chops open this door to get Dorothy out. But I guess the curse only really meant if the hourglass, if Dorothy stayed in the room with the hourglass, then she would die. But she got out and uh, I guess she's fine now. Um, but they're still kind of trapped. And here, another thing that, you know, you had kind of mentioned before that Scarecrow thought of an idea earlier. Here, he figures out a way, you know, or he figures out how to bring down the candelabra to, like, you know, distract these other guards and hit stuff um, and, and get to run away. So, I mean, he definitely has brains. We do see the witch kind of in this creepy thing. She sets she sets the uh, the Scarecrow on fire. How about little fire, Scarecrow? <laughs> you know, she her... her the shot of her taking her broom and like, you know, putting it to the the lantern or whatever and like catching it on fire and then putting it onto the scarecrow is pretty, pretty creepy. I always liked that. It was always, but it was always well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but to save the scarecrow, Dorothy throws this bucket of water onto him, but a good bit of it gets onto the witch. And of course, the classic line. Ah, you cursed rat! Look what you've done! Now Dorothy has killed two witches in one day. She's a murderer. Um, they should, should be locked up. No, but, but everyone uh, is happy. The world is. But happy. But everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, fair enough. She killed someone. She killed. It's okay. It is okay to kill an evil person. <laughs> I, I definitely think so. But they take the witch's broom to the wizard, who is again. He's an asshole. Uh, he is just like I. I think honestly, the wizard probably sent them out to die. Adam. Don't, don't you think so? Don't you think so, though? No, he, he was just procrastinating. He was just procrastinating. No, he was... Pro- I don't think he was... He was expecting them to come back with the witch's broom. No, but he was He was not expect sending them out to die. He just sent them out knowing they they probably could not fulfill the request that he asked of them. Which meant that they were going to die <laughs> if they had to battle the evil witch. I think he knew that. I, I, the, the, I, I don't think his intention was for them to die, but I think I definitely his intention was that they would never do it. And if they died in the process, yeah. oh, well. Or they would just go away oh well. and give up. Which which fully counteracts the whole thing where he's like, oh, no, I'm a very good person. You know, he... So, so Toto finds the, sees the curtain and we get the whole classic, uh, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain right. thing. Another thing that's been parodied mm-hmm. a bajillion times. He was not an evil person. He was just inept no. in every way. But he doesn't, <laughs> but he, he specifically says, you know, Dorothy's like, oh, you're a, you're a mean man. And he's like, no, I'm a, I'm an actually, I'm a good man. You know, and it's like, but he's not a good man. He legitimately not a good He's person. just inept. I don't think he. I don't think there was evil intention. It was just he. Yeah. He was uh, inept in every way. He couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, okay. He couldn't complete tasks that was expected of him. So this. Yeah. You know. I mean, he's 
He's certainly a con man and a swindler. Yes, definitely. Just like just like the guy that Dorothy met earlier, obviously played by the same actor. Yes, definitely. So he was he yeah. was a con man. I agree. But uh, you know, and I guess somewhat in his own kind of con man ways, because he's not a real wizard, um, he can't grant really grant their wishes. Uh, and give them a brain and a heart and courage or whatnot. So instead, he gives uh, the Scarecrow a diploma and says, yeah, yeah, you're smart enough as it is. He gives the uh, Tin Man a clock that is uh, in the shape of a heart. Then he gives the lion, man, the lion a medal for his valor. At least this lion got a medal, unlike Chewbacca did <laughs> in, uh, in in new, A New Hope. But <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, I know Chewie, Chewie eventually got his medal. We're I, we're happy about that. The one line I want to call out that I did not <laughs> did not care for here was so he gives the Tin Man you know his heart shaped clock and then he tells him it doesn't matter how much you love people it all matters how much you are loved by others which is a terrible lesson to me. It's basically saying it's all about you know how popular you are. Yeah, like that's a ter- I noticed that's a terrible that too. Lesson. Yeah. Uh, it's just a bad line, but, you know, uh, just just calling out because it was funny. So the wizard is going to take Dorothy home in uh, a hot air balloon, but she at the last bit of it, she hops out to get Toto and he can't he can't uh, stop it because he's an idiot. Inept, as you said, mom, he, he is, he, is. he, you know, maybe yeah. um, well-meaning, just not very skilled person. Yeah, very true. He's a con man. <laughs> um, so... Uh, so Dorothy is kind of screwed. She can't go home now. She's all sad. But Glinda comes and says, oh, you could have gone home at any time. <laughs> you just had to click th- your heels three times together and say, there's no place like home. Are you effing kidding me, Glinda? <laughs> <laughs> well, she even says, though, because one of the characters, you know, says she's like she could have gone home at any time. And she says, no, she had to realize. Yeah. You know, what was important before she could have done it, which I wanted to to make note in the book, the slippers are actually silver, not ruby. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they mm-hmm. changed it to ruby because they realized they were doing this film in color and ruby slippers would show up better. Definitely. Anyway, I, I thought that was a bit of a BS excuse from Glinda. <laughs> not going to lie. Oh, you wouldn't have believed it. You had to truly find out for yourself. Like now she, she would have believed it. She really wanted to go home, but <laughs> whatever. I don't know. Sometimes hard lessons, you know. Make you figure out, you know, what's important, right? Sure. Is it, Mom, that sounds like an excuse for all of the <laughs> shit all you made us do. <laughs> yeah. That's what every parent. Yeah, all the chores try, you made us do yeah, and stuff. that's what every parent uh, tries to tell their kids. You, you, you know what, Adam? I'm I'm going to back mom on this one because as uh, as a parent of two kids, sometimes you sometimes you have to make them do the hard thing in order to teach them how to do something. Yay, John. He's lessons. on my side. Yeah. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Uh, All right. So Dorothy has her heartfelt goodbyes to everybody. The thing I thought was the funniest was in front of her other good friends here. She said she legitimately said tells the scarecrow, I'm going to miss you most of all. Fuck those other dudes. You're the only one that matters. (laughs) Well, he's her he's her longest friendship in this whole situation. So yeah, for an extra one minute. (laughs) Well, one minute of camera, but. You know, it felt uh-huh. longer in the movie, you know. But it, I, I did just find that's that funny. Maybe a little bit rude in front of everybody else, but... Well, she's just being honest. <laughs> she's, you know, trying to just be well, honest. She's, she, yes, that's fine. She's honest, at least. So she clicks her heels together. She says the magic words. There's no place like home. 
And she is now back in sepia tone. Uh, she's got a cloth on her forehead. Auntie M is there. Apparently, it was all a dream. And we see the different people there. You know, oh, you were there. And you were there. And you, and you, and you, and you were there. Oh, <laughs> uh, Apparently, she kind of, she ends the movie with, I'll never leave again uh, because there's no place like home. And I will have to say as a child, I don't think I quite took to the idea that the whole thing was a dream. It really felt like it was, and she went on a trip mm-hmm. and then came back yeah. home. So I didn't, it didn't yeah. really, I don't really remember thinking, oh, yes, it's just a dream. Gotcha. Maybe I was a, yeah. you know, yeah. naive little child, but. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're a kid. I mean, you want to like to think that she actually went right. to Oz. Right, did all these things. Yeah, and, and I did see that movie, The Great and Powerful Oz, which is a piece of trash. <laughs> No one. I repeat, please, no one. Uh, haven't seen it. No one go see that movie or rent it. It's, it's the James Franco one. Uh, I saw it, you know, on a date, and the movie was just awful. You saw it on a date? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is before I was married, Mom. This was a while ago. Oh, your poor date. So, yeah, my poor date. Yeah. Yeah. Poor girl. It was just, yeah, it was a really bad movie. Anyway, the only thing, so anyway, obviously the movie is, is wrapping up. It's the end. Uh, the only thing that I guess I, I didn't like the, um, the whole plot line of, you know, the, the mean lady who wanted to have Toto killed is unresolved. So to all my knowledge, she's just going to come right back and try and kill Toto. (laughs) (laughs) You know, an opening for another movie. Yes. So, uh, all right, now we're going to do kind of our final thoughts on the film. Mom, this is the one you called out. You have, you know, a big nostalgia for, as we all do. But how about you tell us your, you know, overall general and final thoughts on the film? I still have, you know, lots of great memories and thoughts. I would watch The Wizard of Oz again and again. It brings back nostalgic memories for me. There's, you know, there's a storyline where good Uh, wins out over evil. Home is a safety sanctuary and trying to find um, things outside of yourself or outside of home. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're looking for something that you think is out in the world and it's really within you, I guess. It's all good. It's, it's, you know, it's a good moral moral line and moral story, I think, you know. And I love this film still. All right, John, how about you? Um, It's been a while, actually, since I've seen that movie. Um, Probably close to when I was a teenager when I actually sat down and watched the entire thing. Um, but it was, it was, it was fun to revisit. Um, and as you mentioned, we watched it with uh, all three of us watched it, but we also, also my kids were there when we watched it and it was, it was nice sharing that one with them. And, uh, I, I still have, uh, I still have a nostalgic love for this. Adam, I wanted to ask you, have you ever tried the, uh, wizard of Oz dark side of the moon combo? I have, I, they did it at, uh, UGA, they did it at the Tate Center where they actually played it together. And honestly, I didn't think it really did anything. It wasn't it wasn't really all that lined up. OK, it didn't seem there was like there's a couple like times the music hits happened when somebody like, you know, fell down or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. But in general, I did. It didn't feel like you have to be high <laughs> to think that they actually work well together. OK, that sounds fair. I've also I've yeah. never done it, but I've never really had a desire to. I'm with you, with the, with the two of you. Uh, the movie is cute. It's super nostalgic for 
pretty much everyone I've ever met, um, you know, from our parents and, you know, uh, just generations for now and generations to come. You know, it, it's it's not a perfect film, but, you know, this is not also the film that you're going to pick through with a fine tooth comb. It came out, you know, was it 80 years ago? Mm-hmm. I mean, just a long time ago, pretty early for film. And so it, it's it's it doesn't deserve to be picked apart like, you know, like I typically <laughs> do with movies. It, you know, deserves to be just kind of watched through the eyes of a child, you know, knowing how much it influenced film in general, which I have massive respect for this film for that. Um, and it is still fun to watch. I enjoyed watching it. You know, it, it was a little bit slow at times, but, you know, a lot of movies weren't paced or paced differently at that time. Mm-hmm. So it holds up. It's fun. And I think it should be a movie that pretty much every parent should try and show their kids at some point in their lives. I agree. I agree. All right. Now we are going to talk Johnny Quest. This is a show that came out from 1964 to 1965, had a total of 26 episodes and one season. Uh, It was produced by Hanna-Barbera, and actually the directors of Johnny Quest, who are credited, is Joseph Barbera and William Hanna. Mm -hmm. So, like, legitimately, Hanna and Barbera worked on this show. It was apparently inspired by radio serials and kind of comics in that action adventure genre. Um, but it kind of featured and eh, more like realistic characters. Well, the main characters at least are realistic. Right. A lot of like the side characters or people like the one-offs um, are, are a little bit fantastical. And it's amazing that it, that such a short um, season influenced me to choose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, exactly. But it was played consistently in syndication. You know, it only had those 26 episodes, right. but it was, it was reran all the time. It was originally actually aired on uh, ABC in primetime on Friday nights. So, uh, you know, it was a, a primetime cartoon. It was a big thing. Wow, I don't remember that. Yeah. And well, so, but and but in syndication, you know, it started probably became Saturday like a, morning. A Saturday morning thing. I, I would bet yeah, it Yeah, it was Saturday morning. Um, yeah. So, so for you, uh, you know, just general a little bit, like, you know, what made you choose Johnny Quest? Like, why was this an important show for you? Um. You know, Saturday morning was important for lots of different cartoons and shows that weren't cartoons, like Roy Rogers and um, Flipper and all of those. But I think uh, I've always been a kind of action-adventure kind of person. I was not a girly girl, kind of in between a tomboy and a... And I think I loved the action-adventure of what Johnny Quest got to do with his father and mm-hmm. Race Bannon mm-hmm. and, you know, his sidekick, Haji. You know, I loved that they had adventures. And I think that's what spoke to me. So, uh, so yeah, can I mention the characters? Let me just break them down a little bit more. Uh, so, Race Bannon was voiced by Mike Rode. I'm trying, Johnny. The trouble is they've got a pretty fast boat, too. He was uh, Mr. Fantastic in the old... Fantastic Four cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in lots of stuff, and even including even old episodes of Maverick and Gunsmoke. So he's done a lot of stuff. Um, Johnny Quest himself was voiced by Tim Matheson. What are you gonna do, Race? Well, can't you lose him? Who was in The West Wing? Uh, he was in Van Wilder. I think he played Van Wilder's dad in the movie Van Wilder he did. that I remember. Yeah, he played Van Wilder Senior. Yep, and he was in uh, the movie 
Black Sheep, uh, the Tommy Boy, uh, the um, Chris Farley movie. Uh, he also had some old credits too, like uh, Bonanza, and he was in the old other Hanna Barbera show, Space Ghost. He was in so. uh, Animal House too. Animal House too, yeah. The guy, he's been in tons of stuff. Doctor Benton Quest. We're friends. Come on out of there before you freeze to death. And the dog Bandit <laughs> were both voiced by Don Messick. Uh, so I, I love that, you know, the guy who did the, the, the dad also did the dog. But he's done some <laughs> fantastic animals throughout, like, the Hanna-Barbera era and other stuff. So he also did the voices for Scooby-Doo. Really? Astro. Yep. Astro from the Jetsons. Boo Boo Bear from, you know, Yogi Bear. He was the voice of Papa Smurf, the voice of Muttley. Um, you know, Muttley, who's like that that laughing sidekick uh-huh. character, the evil villain. I can't. Yeah. With the the big the that guy. So that guy had a really, really good uh, voice acting career. Yeah. So it was with animals, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Haji was voiced by a guy, Danny Bravo. Bandit seems to think there's something else in there whose last acting credit was in 1969. So he apparently really didn't do much after the show and, and just in general with acting. He must have moved on to something else. So, But yeah, this show was almost an instant success. You know, it, it apparently both critically and ratings wise, it did very well, but it was apparently canceled after the first season because the animation costs were too high. Just in general, the production was too expensive. Mm-hmm. So that's why it didn't keep going. But... It had a lot of syndication success, and it ran in syndication for two decades um, before then they then started making new versions after that uh, in the 80s. So, I mean, it was it was just constantly being shown. I bet I bet during, you know, cartoon hours or court, cartoon Saturday morning. Yeah, Saturday like morning. Yep. Um, yeah, and as we've kind of mentioned, it's a, you know, action adventure. This family slash team goes around doing just kind of really va- various adventure stuff, like whatever they kind of happen to get into. Um, I did like that, you know, a lot of stuff seemed to be because the dad was a scientist. So there was there was adventure stuff, but there was also cool science stuff with it, too, because mm-hmm. the dad was really smart. Uh, and then race, was, which is a great name. Oh, my God. Race Bannon. That's what a cool what a cool dude, you know. <laughs> Plus, he was like the good-looking guy, you know. He was. He, yeah, he was. For, for girls. You know, he was kind of a silver fox. Yeah. Yeah, he had like that white hair, but he, he has a good-looking cartoon. Right. And apparently he's, he's, his look was based on a, an actor named Jeff Chandler, who was kind of a, uh, I don't know, maybe like a leading man in the 50s. Oh. Okay. Who was kind of silver-haired yeah. and that sort of Cut stuff. Cut jaw, all yeah. that. But yeah, a lot of their stuff, um, even though they were, you know, very much based in reality-esque, at least like those characters are all human and whatnot, they did seem to have, you know, very mystical or extra extraordinary like type of things that they ran into, stuff like lizard men. There was a, a gigantic robot spider that would shoot a laser out of its eye, mm-hmm. um, little pygmy warriors, other stuff like that. Um, and also not to mention Haji uh, had some magical powers, which you got to call out Zim zim zalabim, uh, you know, and he would he would make stuff float and shit like that. Zim zim zalabim. Oh no, not the levitation trick again! Hey Haji, that's enough. Let me down. Well, I think it, it felt like I, I don't know if they ever listed specific locations where they were off to for their adventures, but it did feel very global mm-hmm. and yes. and interesting. You know, they were in they were in unique places for that for that time frame, you know, in the 60s. You're right. Every every episode did seem to be like some uh, jetting off onto some yeah exotic location exactly. where some kind of 
crazy thing was happening, uh, which is which is cool. It's probably for for a little you know girl girl in for Iowa. Kid, it seemed yeah kind of magical and exotic. Yes. Yeah, but as I say, like for for you know kids in Iowa who there's doesn't seem it seems kind of dreary and dull. This is probably like a fun little thing to kind of see the see. Yeah, your other option is falling into the pig pen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, for fun, right? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> so, um, I want to call out the one of the fantastic parts of this show is definitely the theme song. Oh, I thought the theme song was so much fun. It was. Uh, Honestly, and there's uh, a theme song for the later Johnny Quest that I love as well. I want to call that one out, too. Um, It's one of my... It's a great theme song, um, but I think it came out in the 90s, so maybe it would make a a list of, if we ever do that, like a 90s cartoon theme Mm -hmm. song, but the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest theme song is super awesome as well. Both of both of those and this one in particular, they they really just they elicit the idea of just that old school action montage opener. Mm-hmm. Like it just it feels classic. It feels fun. You know, you don't need any cheesy words or like any kind of like you know sing along thing. It's just like you get a montage of action and some great music to it, and that works so well. Yeah. In general, though, I do want to mention the music on this show was really important. Um, you could tell that the music was really helping driving the pacing of the of the show, yeah. kind of to, like to move stuff through it and move it along. I liked that style a lot. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it added a lot of dramatic moments to it because they had music kind of going under this stuff all the time. Um, and it really did help just kind of uh, move the show. Which I, I agree because in general, I watched, I only really watched two episodes of mm-hmm. this and in general the story itself is a little slow but i i attribute that to the time and the style of writing for what it was but the the music does help because in general the story moves a little bit slower but uh the music is so much fun to listen to that it you don't mind it so much and maybe that's what what you know enticed a child to keep watching was that mm-hmm. music yeah I, I could totally see that because uh, you get yeah you get some fun animation some action right. fun and some music. good music along with it yeah. Uh, Animation-wise, this was very kind of classic Hanna-Barbera style. Uh, you know, it's not the smoothest motion. There's a lot of repeat actions. It's some low frame rate. Um, but honestly, I mean, this is 1964. I liked this animation just as well, if not maybe a little bit better than some of those Hanna-Barbera stuff we talked about. Or no, not the Hanna-Barbera, the filmation stuff we talked about in the 80s, John, you know, like the He-Man yeah. stuff. Um, I just didn't think that really all held up that well. But I think just like the the 60s style of the show along with the music and all that stuff like that older style animation 
I think still fit pretty well just with the with the overall feel of the show. I agree with that. So, um, and uh, the only other thing I kind of want to call out is you know this show definitely had some impact on culture, uh, on pop culture and things like that. Where it had some other there were other like parodies and stuff like that uh, from the show. If you guys have ever heard of the uh, Adult Swim show called The Venture Brothers, uh, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, it's just kind of like no, just not me. I wouldn't imagine you have mom. <laughs> it's definitely not for no. you. Uh, but it's like this this group of like, I don't know, like a scientist and some some this like jacked dude and like a little family or whatever. They go. It's basically a parody of Johnny Quest. That's a little bit more adult humor oriented, uh, but they have other things like that. So uh, that's pretty much all I had on Johnny Quest. I, I other than my final thoughts. But did either of you have anything else you wanted to go and talk about before we dived into our final thoughts? No, I think that's good. No, not really. Okay. So, uh, Mom, we'll let you end with uh, your thoughts since this was your show this time. Uh, and I'll, I'll just kind of start. I want to say I watched just a couple episodes as well. Um, and some of it was kind of hard to find. So I just had to watch like pieces of shows. But I, I enjoyed it enough. You know, I thought, uh, it, it, honestly, it kind of brought me back because I have a love of like the old Hardy Boys books. Watching this just kind of, you know, made me also nostalgic for those a little bit and just kind of brought me back to like that style and that feel, that kind of graphic ad- action adventure, n- not quite noir, but um, those kind of uh, detective and uh, action shows and uh, whatnot that, you know, I thought this was a pretty enjoyable series. You know, it's only 26 episodes. If I had a kid interested in action adventure and if they could handle like, you know, watching an older show, um, I would totally push this onto them. And I think, you know, I hell, I might try and see if I can find uh, time to, to watch. It's just 26 episodes, but they're they're fun, in my opinion. Yeah, so see, that's what that's what I like. Good, good. So uh, how about you, John? Uh, I, largely, I had the exact same uh, reaction. I watched a, a couple episodes. Um, I think the first episode I saw was a little bit slower, but the second one moved a lot faster and I actually enjoyed it a lot more. So I'm sure mm. it was just sort of an episode by episode uh, thing. Yeah. And I actually think maybe sometime I, I will show this to to my kids. Um, I, I'm not sure my daughter will get into it, but uh, maybe my son. Uh, and for me, um, you know, I don't have specific episodes that come to mind, but I think it's a general feeling of how the show felt for me, which I which is action adventure and I think, you know, a bit of exotic travel, having a sidekick that was unique with a boy named Haji. And I just, you know, and I would actually watch it again if I, uh, you know, if I uh, could see some of the original stuff. I'm not sure I'd go for remakes, but Mm. um, if Mm -hmm. I could find original stuff, I think I'd, I think I'd watch it. Uh, All right. Well, Mom, this is where you leave us uh, because you're not going to join us for the casting. Correct. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, did you enjoy kind of this trip down memory lane? I did enjoy this trip down memory lane with both my boys. So I appreciate I appreciate <laughs> you bringing this golden girl on your show. <laughs> well, we appreciate your support. Uh, we thank you for being a friend. Uh, we, <laughs> we also thank you for being our mother um, and just being awesome. All right. Well, I, I wanted to ask really quick, would you be interested in sitting through the casting portion, even though you're not casting yourself, just to hear who we pick? No, thank you. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, thank you. Doesn't care. She's, okay. right. She's had enough. Okay. All, All right. right. You guys have fun. I'll see you after <laughs> the right. show. Love you, Mom. I'll see you after the show. Love you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs>
This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Kids like kicks for what kicks has got. Moms like kicks for what kicks has not. Kicks has corn and that's enough. Cause kicks hasn't got any fancy stuff. No added flavors. Kicks doesn't need them. No added colors. Kids love to eat them. It's low in sugar so it's not too sweet. A good kicks breakfast is hard to beat. Kids like kicks for what kicks has got. Moms like kicks. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be recasting The Wizard of Oz using actors of today. Uh, We decided to do uh, pretty much just the big characters for this one. So we'll be doing Dorothy, the Wicked Witch, Scarecrow, Lion, Tin Man, The Wizard of Oz, and Glinda the Good Witch. Uh, I thought any other characters would probably be unnecessary to cast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody else is just pretty extra, but um, this is a good a good little crew. Like this is this is definitely the core group. And I'm not going to lie. I think I I think I nailed my casting. I'm really excited about who I picked. Okay. You know, as I mentioned before, we don't we don't get to do a a musical all that much. So I kind of dove into that with some of these characters who I knew had to do some songs. I wanted to make sure that they could sing and dance as needed. Um so I'm I am I'm stoked. I'm not gonna lie. I want this to happen. I, I, <laughs> even though I think I think a lot of people would probably be upset, you know, with another remake of Wizard of Oz. Maybe not because the Wiz already happened, and you know, everybody seems fine with that one. Um, but I totally would be okay if if my version and my cast got together and made this movie. Okay. Um, I was I went a little up and down with whether or not I picked someone who I thought could sing. Sometimes I went with someone I knew could sing. Sometimes I was like, you know what? They'll figure that out in post. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> you can always dub it with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump in, starting with Glinda the Good Witch, because we don't see her mm-hmm. hardly at all. And she plays a secondary role, but it is important. And I'll go ahead and jump in since... Uh, I think you obviously are very confident in yours. I I think so. Um, I I had a little bit of a hard time with this, but not not too much. Um, I did uh, want to go with someone who had sort of a I don't know how to put this a classic Glinda look. Um, mm-hmm. I went probably a little bit younger than uh, you know than she the lady uh, Billy Burke was. Yeah. In the show. Uh, so I went with Amy Adams. Amy. That Amy Adams is a great call. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I know, I know, can she can sing? She was in that sort of kids. I forget what the name of the movie was, where she plays a princess that comes into the uh, to a real world, and she is that enchanted. Enchanted, yeah, and she sings in that one, so I know she can sing. Yeah, no, I, I've seen her do that kind of stuff as well. Um, yeah, I mean, she's got a classic, you know, redhead look, um, and she's definitely, you know, she yeah, she's a little bit younger, but like, but I, I think that totally would make sense, you know, for a witch, you for the good witch, you know, you don't have a nice pretty. They even have a whole discussion about, oh, the good witches are beautiful and the and the other witches are ugly. <laughs> so uh, Amy Adams, I think Amy Adams is a great call. Okay. I, funny enough, I actually, I wanted, I did the same thing where I just kind of went with, I want a classic Glinda the good witch look. Um, so I just kind of picked, I also went with a redhead, um, but I actually went older. <laughs> funny enough, we talked about how she was, I can't remember who you said, Mrs. Burke or Billy Burke, whatever yeah. her name was, that she was 53. Mm-hmm. I think the person I cast is actually like 58 or 59. Mm. 
So she's even older, <laughs> but she can totally play younger. Um, and she's got that nice red hair. And I'm pretty sure she can sing. I, I haven't seen what, but she'll be fine. They'll, they'll figure it out as you said it. I went with Julianne Moore as my Glinda the Good Witch. Okay. Yeah, I can totally yeah. see that. I, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen her sing. That's not to say it's never happened, but... I just assume she can do it because she's awesome. She's right. a fantastic actress. So I just, I, I, I'm sure she can. How about that? I, I'm that okay. confident that she's she's that good at everything. All right. I, I like that choice. I think, personally, I think I like mine a little bit more, but Fine. I've never I've, I've never had anything bad to say about Julianne Moore. I think I went, I, I did probably lean a little bit older on this casting. Mm-hmm. Most all the people I cast were probably... A, you know, not super significantly, but a little bit older than who who the original cast, how how they aged, how their ages were at the original time. So, okay. so we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, let's move on to The Great and Powerful Oz. This is a guy who, you know, only shows up a little bit, um, although we do see him at the beginning, you know, um, and he did play several different characters in the movie. Whether or not you want to keep doing that, that's, you know, totally up to the directors and the actors if they actually want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just we really need him at the beginning, at the end, and for the the Oz stuff, or just, I guess the beginning and the Oz stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's hear who you picked first. I went with a actor who, when I think of like some gravitas, somebody who I think would just be a perfect, you know, great and powerful Oz. The dude has got one of the best speaking voices of all time. Maybe because I mean I don't know. He's also can he can he can narrate anything. Uh, but I think he would be a perfect. He is pretty old, but I, it doesn't matter. He's that good of an actor. I know he's just fine. I went with Morgan Freeman as my Oz. I can't hate that choice. I can't. He can't. He's he's he can do it totally. He, he would be a great Oz. He would be a great Oz. I I'd love to see him do even all those little small things like the the guard at the door. The the yeah. The, exactly. I, he stuff. could he could totally do all those different parts, and he would be he'd be fun in that. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that a lot. Cool. It'd be fun to see him. And he's getting a little bit older, but you know what? Now's the time to get that done. Yep. It, it, it would have to be start. They'd have to start filming soon <laughs> because he is probably going to age out of it soon enough. Yeah. And I had another person on my list who I think would be really good, but I'll save it just in case you used him. So okay. I, maybe I'll mention it afterwards. Hear your thoughts on that. Okay. Um, I incidentally, I had a little bit of a similar uh, thought process to you. Um, I went with someone who I think has a, a really good voice. Um, someone who is does has some gravitas as well. Um, he's I think he's mostly started to become known in the last few years, not quite as known as as Morgan Freeman is. Um, but he's got a good voice for narrating because he's going to be narrating Marvel's What If series. I went with Jeffrey Wright. Ooh, Jeffrey Wright does have a good voice, and yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's that's you know what that's that's a great call. Jeffrey Wright, great actor. I've loved him in uh, Westworld recently. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been a good actor, even though I didn't like the second season. I, I I like him and I like his acting. So I think that's a great call. OK, I'll take that. Yeah, I think he you know, yeah, I can see. Yeah, my, as I've mentioned, yeah, my, I think all of my casting is probably 15 to 20 years older than, <laughs> than all of your casting. <laughs> We've kind of. So uh, I think that that still fits with that. If we were going for so or we have similar vibes, just a couple two different generations right now, and that's okay with me. Okay. Okay. The the only the actor I wanted to call out who I first wrote down until I thought of Morgan Freeman, I was like, okay, I want Morgan Freeman. I thought this would be kind of fun because he's already played a wizard. He's played a space wizard. I put Mark Hamill as a potential 
uh, Wizard of I Oz. Could I could totally cool. see that. I could totally see Mark because uh, he he's got that sort of goofy personality where he you know he, yeah. he could be the the charlatan at the beginning and and I could see mm-hmm. Hamill doing all the you know the guardsmen and the all the other stuff. Yeah, totally. There's a lot. There's a lot of great people. I mean, th- to me, this just means, man, we got this movie has got to get made. And I think yeah. it would if it was done right. If they listened to us, John, they we would have a great movie casting and then people would love it and not, you know, be all bitchy about yeah. it. You can't remake Wizard of Oz. And I'd be like, oh, shit, <laughs> you got Jeffrey Wright as wizard. Fuck. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. And you know what? If, if, if we can't get Jeffrey Wright uh, or if we get Jeffrey Wright or Morgan Freeman as the wizard, we can have Mark Hamill just play all those other parts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'd be great at that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on to the Tin Man. Uh, I'll be honest. I had a little bit of a hard time casting the Tin Man just because like you, Tin Man doesn't do anything for me as far as the story goes. Yeah. He's a little bit of a bland character from the majority of it. So I went with somebody who I think could work. And I'll admit, I actually originally cast this guy as the Scarecrow. And then I found somebody else who I think worked as a better Scarecrow. And so I was like, oh, this guy could still work as the Tin Man. Um, it will be a little bit different, a little interesting. Um, I'm not sure you'll know this guy. He's a British actor. Um, did you ever watch a show called The It Crowd or The IT Crowd? Yes. I, I mean, I, I've seen bits and pieces. I, I, I uh, Yeah, a, a little bit. Okay. So I went with the guy who played the character of Maurice on the IT crowd, and his name is Richard Iode, or Iode. I actually don't even know how to pronounce his name. He had some, like, crazy hair or something, didn't yeah. he, for that show? That's what I kind of remember, yes. yeah. Yeah, uh, he was he was funny. He was definitely a funny dude. So maybe he can put a little personality in for the, the Tin Man. Yes, yeah, probably could. No, I, I like that call. I haven't seen much of his stuff, but uh, he's got a very... He was pretty dry humor, if I remember that as well, mm-hmm. from the the it crowd. So I think that if he has, if he incorporates some humor and just kind of yeah, him being eh, kind of a different person, uh, where the yeah, where the scarecrow or the Tin Man was just kind of like, eh, he's just kind of there. He didn't have much of a personality. I think it, that would be fun. Okay, I leaned into the probably to the song and dance a little bit more with partic- with my scarecrow, lion, and Tin Man with all three of them. Um, cause I, I wanted to push, you know, still the musical aspect of them. And, uh, so I went with, uh, an actor who is best known as a comedian. Um, but he has been on Broadway. He is a great singer, a great dancer. He actually recently won the, the last season of the masked singer, um, which is a pretty fun show. So spoiler alert, if anybody hasn't seen that, no big deal. Uh, the show is just, it's a terrible reality show but it is fun i actually quite enjoy it just because i like the song elements like the actual performances are pretty cool mm-hmm. they're all dressed up you know in these ridiculous costumes and you don't know who's singing and you're trying to guess and it's all kind of fun and uh this guy won the last one he's got a great voice obviously he's a hell of a showman he is a host in a lot in multiple different shows um but we and i best know him from his comedy chops on whose line is it anyway i went with wayne brady as my tin man oh i like that i like wayne brady cool I think I like your choice better than mine. He's he, It's hard to dislike Wayne Brady. Yeah. <laughs> the dude seems so freaking nice. He's so funny. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty much impossible to dislike him. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so let's do the Cowardly Lion next. And Adam, why don't you start us mm-hmm. off with that? Sure. Um, as I mentioned, I wanted somebody who can kind of sing. This guy is not as good of a singer as my Tin Man or my Scarecrow, um, but... He definitely sings. I, I've seen him sing on his show. 
uh, on his TV show. He's also a very comedic person, uh, which I you'd need someone comedic, particularly for the lion, who is just ridiculous, as we kind of called out <laughs> the way he acts. And and, and uh, this guy, I just I love him to death. He is just perfect as Cameron on Modern Family. I went with Eric Stone Street as my lion. Okay. I'm not as familiar with his stuff. Okay. Did, I thought you cast him as something sometime. Oh, wait. No, I did. You're right. You're right. I was thinking yeah. of somebody else. I was, for some reason, my brain okay. went somewhere else. No, that's a, actually, that's a very good choice. Okay, cool. That's a very good choice. Um, you know what? You're probably not going to like my choice, actually, now that I think about it. Oh. Um, <laughs> I actually have no idea if this guy can sing at all. At all. Actually, uh-huh. he probably can't. I just think he's. <laughs> I just think he's a funny actor in everything I see. So I, I and yeah. I'll be honest, he kind of looks like the cowardly lion in real life. Um, he's been in a bunch of big movies. You've seen him before for sure in stuff like uh, Memento and Batman Begins. Uh, Adam, you were a pretty big fan of Sons of Anarchy, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was definitely a fan. Well, then you would know him as the character of Bobby Elvis. Uh, I went with huh. uh, Mark Boone Jr. Yeah, yeah, I did like him on that. Um, and that show. I saw him recently in something else. And I can't remember what it was. But yeah, I mean, he wasn't Batman Begins. He's been in plenty of stuff. I like him doing his Elvis stuff. And it is it is kind of funny um, when he when he does that. So, yeah, I, I'm cool with that role. Okay. I am. He does does have Cowardly Lion look to him. Yeah, he's got a lot of hair. Especially on Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, he is definitely haired up in that one. Yeah. I think what, what, so. what brought him in is that he was recently on an episode of The Mandalorian. And that's what uh, kind of brought okay, him that, back yeah. into my, my periphery. It is kind of fun when you're watching new shows and you like just see somebody like, oh man, I I want to use you in something. And you just kind of keep them in the back of your head and you kind of you know pick something that uh, that kind of works for yeah, them or works well exactly. enough. Exactly. Yeah, I, I like mine better, but I think he is a he's a really good actor who would do a, a fun job with it. I'm sure. Okay. All right. Well, let's move so. on to the Scarecrow. Um, I will start this one first. I went with uh, a, a little known actor. Uh, he's been in. He's recently been in uh, the series His Dark Materials. Um, he's voiced some characters on Ducktales. I think he had a career on Broadway at one point. I went with Lin Manuel mm. Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, yeah, not not so much of a little yeah. person, like the the king the king of uh, the Tonys in Broadway right yeah. now, and for the past few years. That's a great great choice. I picked him because I need you know he's going to spend the most time on screen with Dorothy. I needed somebody who can, you know, I really wanted somebody who can sing, who can act. And he's, you know, I, I'm not necessarily saying that the Scarecrow has to have a rap. I, I think that would just be a little too cheesy. Well, if you can make no, it but work. Lin, Lin Manuel, yeah. And he does, he does other, you know, songs for sure. Yeah. Non-rapping. I mean. Uh, no, that's, it's, the dude, the dude is a definite talent. I like that a lot. Okay. No, that's a good call. Um, I went with, I don't know, maybe more of a one for one who, who I thought, I thought of this guy pretty quickly mm-hmm. with a scarecrow um again you kind of the vibe i'm kind of going for almost a, it's almost a broadway type of vibe with with wayne brady and i feel like eric stone street and this guy um is my scarecrow but i just think they fit really well and and i would love to see him because i think he's hilarious uh he's definitely he's definitely can sing he can definitely dance i think he would he would just be perfect as a scarecrow i went with neil patrick harris oh yeah yeah, yeah that would work too he's definitely got that got that style yeah you know, it's funny, though, just the way Neil Patrick Harris acts, I almost see him more as the wizard. Oh, you know, he kind of I mean, he definitely has that style for sure. So I think he's just a little too young to play the wizard. But I I can. Yeah, if they were doing are going to remake 
you know, the great and powerful Oz and do a new origin story, he would be a better wizard than James Franco was. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So we we're after we're done casting this, we're just going to make a, a new version. Well, actually we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> if we, if we cast Morgan yeah. Freeman as the wizard of Oz, we can't really do the prequel yes. with, with the, yeah, Neil true. Patrick Harris. <laughs> uh, all right. So now we're kind of to our, our big bad and our, our heroine. We're down to the wicked witch. Adam, I, I had a little bit of a hard time with this one. And it, for me, it came down to two actresses. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm not really sure how you're going to feel about either one of them. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who I went with first. And then okay. after you've told me who you went with, I'll tell you who my second one is. Kind of like you were you did when we talked about Oz. Yeah. So uh, I went with an actress because uh, I didn't have to worry about singing because I don't remember her singing at all. In this movie. No, I don't think so. So I just wanted somebody who could give off that wicked vibe. Um, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of sort of overdramatic acting, but I wanted somebody who could really, you know, give some gravitas to this character. She, this lady's won a couple of Oscars or at least been nominated a few times. And uh, she's really big right now because of her work on The Watchmen. I went with Regina King. Oh, she is. I mean, she is really. She, re, yeah, she recently won an Oscar. Yeah, she's a great actress. I think she, yeah, I, I've. Never seen her do anything like this. I haven't seen the new Watchmen or this recent this series, which I I need to uh, hear good things about it, is, it. It's pretty good. I've I've seen most of it. Also, awesome. uh, my wife's watched the entire thing, and and I'll whenever she's watching and I'm in the room, I'll watch it with her because it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just behind. I haven't seen the Mandalorian at all. I haven't seen Watchmen at all. Like I need to get onto it. I'm just I'm too damn busy. <laughs> um, no, I like that. I like that call. I think she can pretty much do whatever the hell she wants. Okay, she's that good. So. Yeah. Right, who'd you go with? John, I went, I mean, mine's not a joke casting, but mine is a, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't think too much about it. When I thought of someone who I thought would be really creepy as the Wicked Witch of the West, now they're not, they don't do singing, but I'm pretty sure this, this actress has sung before, maybe in Sweeney Todd or something like that. Definitely something Tim Burton because she's in everything Tim Burton. I went with Helena Bonham Carter. She is, okay. she's just, she is the quintessential Wicked Witch. Yeah, it's 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 almost too obvious, but I can't hate on it because it you're is. Right. It works. I know. <laughs> it's super obvious. What would you have thought about Annie Potts as the Wicked Witch? Annie Potts, the girl, the the lady from Ghostbusters. Yes. I don't know. I haven't seen anything else that she's been in. She's been in the um, she's been in the the Young Sheldon series lately, but I'm thinking more of her voice. She's. I think she probably has the voice that would could make it work. Okay. I mean, she's done stuff in Young Sheldon, which I don't watch that show. I don't either. But yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I like her. I haven't seen her in enough stuff. Oh, she's done some. Oh, she did the voice of Bo Peep in yeah. uh, Toy Story Four and the other Toy Stories. Oh, I mean, so yeah, she's she's good act, good voice actress and stuff like that. Uh yeah, I'm cool with might that. Be, I am. I I I'm cool with okay, that. Okay, might be one of those things where we'd have to like screen test it first. Yep. Yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll have to exactly. We have to have them do their tryouts and do their their um, casting sessions, and and we'll watch the film. We'll watch it back and see what we think. Okay. So, Annie Potts, send us in. Send us in your <laughs> demo reel and you doing your evil laugh, and we'll let you know if you will. We should actually cast you as the Wicked Witch instead of Helena Bonham Carter and um, whoever John said who I forgot. Oh no, <laughs> Regina, Regina King. King. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, let's go on to our last character. She is our, our heroine, our main person, Dorothy. Um, Adam, let's hear who you got first. I'm really excited about who I cast as my Dorothy. Um, you got to have someone who can sing. You know, early on, you've got 
Somewhere Over the Rainbow and other songs in general, um, but you know, be able to sing by herself, which is really important to me. I also didn't want just another generic white girl as my Dorothy, so okay. I wanted someone who might be, you know, of, of different ethnicities to just kind of help help this movie not be the same old, same old that it was before of white bread corn fed or corn corn fed Kansas girl, you right. know? You can have corn fed Kansas girls who aren't dark hair white people. Okay. I went with an actress who can obviously sing on her own. She has done so in um, a very popular Disney film and she's of apparently uh, mixed ethnicities between Chinese, Irish, Native Hawaiian, Portuguese and Puerto Rican descent. Wow. Um, so she's kind of got a lot of a lot of mixed um, you know, heritage there, which is I think is awesome. And she sung fantastically in the movie Moana because she was the voice of Moana uh. and the singing voice of it. I went with, and I'm going to butcher it, Auli, 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 oh my God, I screwed, I'm sorry, uh, Miss <laughs> Cravalho. <laughs> I can't, uh, yeah, she's got a kind of like a Hawaiian pronouncing first name, spelled first name, yeah. Auli, 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 that's who I went with. I think you know she's got she's in the right age. She's around like twenty something, I think. Okay. Maybe maybe twenty three ish at the most. But I you know she can play a kid, and I think she's got a she's got a really good voice. She's definitely done it before, and I think she would be perfect. You know what? Uh, I like her as a choice, uh, largely for her voice. She has a fantastic singing voice. Um, yeah. She's a little bit older, but. I don't think that'll subtract too much. Yeah, I mean, she right now she was born in the year two thousand, so she is nineteen. 19 actually, yeah. that's not too that's bad. That's not too that's bad. Not yeah, too bad. No, no, I like that choice a lot. Yeah, cool. yeah, I like that a lot more than I thought I was going to. She's a good choice. I mean, she's definitely um, she definitely got a great voice. She, I thought she did well. Mm-hmm. I've never seen her do any. Li- I've never seen any of her live action stuff. Yeah, I mean, honestly, me either. I'm just mostly going off of the Moana, and I'm hoping, you know, her voice acting work on that, right. you know, can generate two live action work, which I I think so. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I I did kind of go for a one for one. I went for a girl who um, okay. has is she's Caucasian. She's got dark hair. Uh, she's a right now. She's about the exact same age that um, uh, Judy Garland was when she shot Wizard of Oz. And I think mm-hmm. she can sing, although admittedly, in what I what I heard her sing in, it did sound like they kind of had to auto tune her voice a little bit. So maybe that's something she'd have to work on. So we'll see mm-hmm. how that works out. But uh, I've heard her voice several times now because my daughter was obsessed with the scene where uh, Dustin from Stranger Things sings the Neverending Story with. Gabriella Pozzolo, who is the actress I picked to be Dorothy. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, she. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember uh, that was a fantastic moment uh, at, in Stranger Things. Absolutely loved that moment um, because everyone thought that Dustin was lying. And she's cute. She's yeah, she is. I, looks like she's right around that age. Yeah, I mean, she's about sixteen right now, sixteen, seventeen. I mean, if you look at the at the at the pictures of her from Stranger Things, from that scene, she looks like Dorothy if you took her glasses off. Yeah, she kind of does. She's got the pigtails and everything. So yeah, I mean, she was in a movie called Broadway Kids Against Bullying. I have a voice. If she's something about, she's playing like a Broadway kid. She probably does. She probably can sing. sing. For yeah. So yeah, cool. I, I haven't seen her do enough acting other than like that one part, right? You know, the last episode of Stranger Things. So same kind of thing, I guess, with my call. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that one as well. 
All right, cool. So no, I like mine better. That's fine. I like mine better, but that one's a good good call. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. Not not no animosity here. John. I think yours would definitely be a bigger draw. You know. Yeah, yes. I could see she would. I mean, I could see they put it out. You know, from the voice of Mo- uh, from the you know the voice yeah. of Moana, that would totally be something that would bring everyone in. Definitely. All right, uh, that was our casting of the Wizard of Oz. Please join us next week for another patron joined episode. We have got we have got Golden Girl Steve Wilhelm joining us for a top 10 of Michael Jackson songs. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your proton pack and your ecto cooler. And maybe some McNugget Buddies.